Let's take a moment and think about the things you love. It could be stuff like vintage vinyl, stylish sunglasses, or your exotic fish collection. Whatever your passion is, the new Multiply the Cash Scratchers from DC Lottery gives you a chance to multiply your cash by 5, 10, 25, or even 100 times and enjoy a lot more of the stuff that makes you, you. Multiply the Cash Scratchers from DC Lottery. If you love it, multiply it. Please play responsibly. Hello, and welcome to The Nature Connection, Science, Wildlife, and Environment Radio, with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio's Nature Connection show with Nancy Reed and Lisa Smith, the mother-daughter travel team on the Love Your Park Store and publishers of Big Blend Radio and TV Magazine and Parks and Travel Magazine, our, digital bi- our bi-monthly digital publications. You can see them all at bigblendmagazines.com. Today's episode focuses on spring in England, something Nancy and I know about, and uh, very excited when we talk about England. You know Glenn Burroughs is back on the show. Uh, Glenn is the owner of Norfolk Tours, where he takes visitors to England on customized tours. And, you know, you can go outside of Norfolk, too, but he really goes around Norfolk and East Anglia. Uh, if you want to go see all the gardens and the castles, or if you want to go to the beach, or if you want to go and uh, f- follow the footsteps of your family history, uh, he'll work with you on all of it. So you can keep up with him at norfolk-tours.co.uk. He's also the founder of Visit Breckland, and uh, that's a beautiful area in Norfolk. Uh, so you can check out visitbreckland.org.uk. And he, of course, is our Big Blend expert on England, so you can read his articles and listen to his past interviews on blendradioandtv.com and nationalparktraveling.com. Whew, Glenn, <laughs> that, was a, that was an introduction. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I, I'm fantastic. I think you need to go and have a drink after all of that. Well, yeah, you definitely yeah, yeah. don't do that, right? It's a, <laughs> you know, it is. I know we're recording this on National Drink Wine Day, and, and uh, you know, it's... <laughs> it, <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't hit noon here yet, so Glenn, we should pop over to you, uh, because I think your timing, we can legally have wine time. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, well, it's it's um it's ten past seven in the evening here. I've just had sausage and mash for my tea. Oh, so. well, there you go. There you yeah. go. Okay, so that, that's something always to talk about, is when you think about England, you go, oh, I've just had tea, but you had sausage and mash. That means you had dinner, but high tea is like a different deal, right? Different well, time frame. Tea, tea, is, tea is what we have in the evening, but okay. high, t- high tea is what you have in the afternoon when you have cups of tea and cucumber sandwiches and cheese scones and things like that. Oh, those cheese nice. scones. He always has Yum. to bring those up, man. Mm. Oh, yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. So springtime in England, that's, you know, I remember being uh, in England as a little girl and, you know, seeing the snowdrops and, and the crocuses and the daffodils popping up. And there's such a fresh feeling. Everything's so lush and green after winter. It is, I, I would say, one of the most magical times to be in England. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the vivid greens and yellows especially 
in in springtime is are, are just amazing. I mean, I, I I do love to see the the little tiny flowers that come. They they come out. I mean, if it has been snowing, and you do get the snowdrops that come up through the snow, you know, then it makes you realise spring is on the way. Um, but you know, the spring flowers are just amazing. Yeah. Where they come from and how they can possibly bring themselves up through the the ice and the snow and the the cold and the wind and that you know it's just it's just amazing. Nature is amazing. Now, do you yeah. celebrate spring when we do in the states? Ours is uh, typically like March twenty first, twenty second is the, the official first, dates. Yeah, the first day of spring is March the twenty first, which, funnily enough, is my mum's birthday as well. So. Oh, cool. uh, there, oh. there, used to be a, there used to be a record in the hit parade. Um, uh, if I ruled the world, every day would be the first day of spring. Mm. And uh, she always used to say, no, I can't have that because I'd have to be 135 by now. You know, she, <laughs> it would be her birthday. <laughs> oh, man. But it, it really is a beautiful time frame. And uh, so March, Nancy, you were going to say something there? I know she's going oh, just... to... And snowdrops are one of my favorite, favorite flowers. They're so cute. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're magical little things. And I don't know, they're so delicate. Yes. I mean, do you have snowdrops in America? Yes, you can get them. Um, I think because of the snow and all that, they would do well back east, but um, certainly not out here in the desert too much. But you can buy them. And, right. Yeah. I mean, and, we're, we're so lucky that so many of our flowers are actually wild mm -hmm. and especially the snowdrops i mean they they just grow everywhere mm -hmm. i mean if you go into a churchyard cool. or if you yeah. go into a little woodland or basically hedgerows you just see snowdrops everywhere then they're, mm -hmm. they're not they're not normally things that you have too much in your garden you know some people have snowdrops in their garden um especially along paths and things like that but um, the, the most time you see snowdrops are out in the wild. Mm. Wow, that's cool. That's cool. So they are like a wildflower. Mm. Whereas, you know, when we lived in the mountains in San Diego and Julian, uh, they planted over a million daffodil blow, uh, bulbs. So in the spring, the roadsides mm. and the townside is just covered in daffodils. And then they have lilacs that bloom afterwards. And But I remember snowdrops coming up in our garden out there. Mm -hmm. and, and Glenn, when you talk about wildflowers, it's so different. When, when spring happens, today we're in, uh, for, we're going to be here for a little while. We're back in our old, uh, you know, hometown of 29 Palms. Remember when we used to live there? It, we knew you when we lived out here. Yes. Out in the, in the high desert. And uh, it, so we're right outside Joshua Tree National Park and Mojave National Preserve. And you can see the green coming out. They've had some rain and they're saying that it's going to be a really good wildflower season here. So around springtime, uh, March, uh, you're going to start seeing... Uh, the different uh, desert wildflowers that bloom here. And it's so, it's so vastly different than your wildflowers. You know what I mean? Mm. But it's so, I, I just get, I get full of the joys of spring. I want to go <laughs> run around. Uh-oh, <laughs> you know? uh -oh, don't, don't well, finish that sentence. <laughs> I know, but you know, I want to run around, but then that, you know, you, you got to be careful because these are cactus. You know, we got, we got spines on ours, but I was reading your article and everyone, uh, if you go to nationalparktraveling.com, you'll see Glenn in our expert department and uh, just type in Glenn, you'll see his articles, but he's got an article about springtime in England and uh, you talk about nettles and uh, so, so some of them you can, you, you know, you've got to be careful right on some of them. 
Oh yeah, I mean, the old normal stinging nettles do sting and they are quite nasty, especially mm. the small ones. The small nettles sting worse than the big ones. Um, but the, the blackthorn, which is what we have in, in a lot of our hedgerows, is really, really cruel. Because if you go anywhere near a blackthorn, um, you'll soon find out that they've got spikes on them that are well over an inch long. And they are, they are solid. They, they, the thorns on a blackthorn hedge will go through your finger. You know, they Ooh. are really, really solid thorns. Hmm. But the flowers are absolutely gorgeous. I mean, again, they're, they're white. You know, most spring flowers are either white or yellow. Um, obviously, some of them are purple, but most of them are white or yellow. Um, and the blackthorn flowers are, are white. And the little tiny flowers are absolutely beautiful when you go close up to them. You know, it's, it's like anything else. You know, if you, have a, if you have a close look at anything, it's got its own beauty in it. You know, the, the blackthorn mm -hmm. flowers are, are just so delicate. And when you consider the spikes on them, you know, the flowers are delicate, the spikes are cruel. You know, then you've got the, the beautiful little um, primroses and violets, you know, the beautiful hedgerow flowers and the snowdrops, they, they, they just, it, you have to get close to them. Mm. And then you can actually see what goes in to make up a, a tiny little wildflower, like, like a snowdrop. It's you know, amazing. It, it, you have to get close to them. When Blackthorn, I have to bring this up. So this is what they're, you're using the fruit to make slogan. I remember having slogan <laughs> when, yeah. we, when we were in Guernsey. And I remember thinking, oh, you know, that won't affect me. Well, apparently, <laughs> I didn't walk very well afterwards. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but so is that, did they start making slogan for those who, you know, got pricked by the, the, by the spikes? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, to, to pick the slows, you, you need to get into the blackthorn hedges and, it, you know, you, you have to pay to get the slows. I see, that's um, it. That's your balance, yeah. right? That's your balance. <laughs> but I exactly. remember that. That was some potent stuff, man. Mm -hmm. Wow, but, it was. Yeah, Diane, Diane quite liked slow gin. She made some. It didn't last very long. Oh, oh. see, <laughs> Diane, Diane knows how to make cheese scones, slow gin. She, she's oh, got yeah. it going. Yeah, she's, oh, she's yeah. got she she has the secrets to a good time up in England. So again, everyone, Norfolk-Tours.co.uk. When you go over there, ask, ask for Diane Scones. Yeah. <laughs> the important stuff. You know, but you talk about hedgerows. And in your article, you talk about how some of these date back, you know, what, 2,000 years. So we've and, got and this. More. And you And you talk about how um, you're actually, they, they're like, they're getting the, they're laying the hedgerows so so basically is this like doing bonsai but with hedgerows like no basically what what you do is you you have a you have a hedge mm -hmm. which is just made up of a, a lot of different plants and trees and bushes and things and and you cut some of the hedge down so you can see what you're doing and then every so often you put in a a, a stake you know a, an upright post and then you half cut the hedge so you don't actually cut through the stalk of the hedge completely so you're cutting it off you just cut it so you can bend it over so you bend it over and then you weave it in between the the upright mm. stakes and mm. then it you, makes it sturdy you, 
do that so you've got like a, a woven a woven barrier and then you use other pieces of uh, softwood like hazel at the top of these stakes to keep the the other parts of the hedge in place and then you can cut all the the bits out that are sticking out you cut them off so that you've got basically quite a very nice woven barrier and then over the year the the actual hedge as you haven't cut it completely it will grow hmm. so you've actually got a woven barrier that is still alive and it will grow but it's animal proof hmm. so you, you know, animals can't get through it because it's all woven how neat and, clever uh, it's a, a really old-fashioned way of of making animal animal proof boundaries wow you know? And that reminds me of Led Zeppelin. If there's a bustle in your hedgerow, don't be alarmed. Stare at heaven, see, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. boy, here we go. <laughs> I know, I know. But have you been on the slow gin already, have you? No, no, yeah, not she's yet. there. I've, she's I've, there. I've, I've, I could use some, you know, that would be a little, you know, I'd go out in the desert and see what happens. But when, just kind of that contrast again, like where we are, um, they have, a, a, it's a euphorbia actually, and it's, it's called the Ocotillo. And it's like really long spikes. It looks like sea kelp, but they've, they've got thorns. Mm -hmm. and, and in the spring and fall, and some places like in Tucson in the Sonoran Desert, they'll stay green during the monsoon summer season. But in the high desert, it's typically spring. Now they're starting to green, have their leaves, and then the fall. And the beautiful orange spiky flowers that occur. But what you know the the peoples have done in the desert for years is they put them into like a like a hedgerow and make that into a fence and they do that in mexico all the way up through the desert here uh, so for cattle and goats and chickens and things like that for them to not be able to it's a natural fence and then it blooms yeah. twice a year how cool is that yeah well that's the same as our hedges Mm -hmm. You know, you'll you'll see from the you'll see from the pictures that I've sent over. Oh, um, you know, the, the one of the sort of the one of the big pictures of the, of a hedge in general, the the white tree is is actually the blackthorn, and and it does make for a very very pretty hedge. You, mm. know, you know, it really does. And mm. now, what's the coast like in spring? What's the do you do you have flowers out there on the beach? You're mostly pebbles and and things, right? Yeah, we we don't we don't have flowers as such. We have um, obviously we have lots of the sort of coastal grasses. Um, there are some very very low lying flowers um, in the dunes, but they they are very very short, and because obviously they have to keep themselves away from the salt air. Mm. So um, you know they're not they're not sort of tall flowers like a daffodil. Um, they're all little tiny little tiny flowers right close to the ground. But mm. the sea around here um, can be really rough because mm. if you go out on the North Norfolk coast out sort of near, near Cromer and, and Brancaster, there's actually nothing between that coast and the North Pole. There is nothing at all. Oh, so wow. any northerly winds that we get coming down that North Sea there's nothing to stop it. it just blows straight across the sea and it does sometimes get jolly chilly <laughs> to say the least but it is it is again it's got its own beauty because to see the wind whipping up the sea and to hear the sea coming in over the shingle 
you know, absolutely beautiful just to, to do anything like that out there and to be in the wild. Because basically you are in the wild, you're, you're in the country and you're standing there. And as, as I said, there's nothing between the coast and, and the North Pole, mm. you know. Wow. The amazing thing that, that we, so Diane and I went a couple of three weeks ago, I suppose now, we went to the coast. You have to get wrapped up well. Um, but that's where there's a lot of seals come in to, to pup. So we were walking along a bank. We don't walk on the beach when the seals are in because that's, you know, that's not fair because that's where they're lying with their pups. So mm -hmm. we walk along the bank and you can see all the seals lying out on the, on the beach. Um, cool. Just amazing to be so close to wild animals, you know, mm. that, that come up to the coast and they live in the sea, you know. I mean, we were all wrapped up with scarves and gloves and coats and they, they just lay there on the beach as if they're sunbathing. <laughs> mm. I love them when we were in, Point Reyes National Seashore, and even there's a couple places, San Diego um, off of, Toma oh, you have to go Santo Tomas, isn't that right, Nancy, the, yes. those little cliff mm -hmm. areas? Yes. Mm -hmm. And you have to go out on a boat to get them, but you can't get on the island because it's illegal, it's protected. Yeah. And then there's um, in Central Coast, California, um, there near Santa Cruz, and then up in Point Reyes National Seashore, where Sir Francis Drake sailed and claimed New Albion for the Queen, <laughs> claimed California, yes, um, and he claimed uh, California as, as England, uh, ownership of England, and uh, that area in the end of February and early March, we were there and the elephant seals, and they have those big noses, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. out there and, and they were mating and having their babies and it was just like that whole spring is here for the seals and you hear them and they're so fat and they're <laughs> i mean they're fat just they're, you just see it ripple through their bodies yeah. you know they're yeah, pretty yeah. pretty fast i mean they look like they'd be slow and they're pretty aggressive so you oh, really are. you need to stay way way far yeah away you can't them. you're not allowed to get close to, too close no. to yeah. well the, you know every, every year we have in the local paper where people have tried to get close to the seals to take photos because oh they boy. are beautiful mm -hmm. little things to see, you know, especially the pups. But you know, they just don't realize that these are wild animals. Yeah. And they they can move, like you say, and they can damage people, you know. But yeah. we every year where people have been so stupid to go down onto the beach to try and get a closer <laughs> look at the at, at the pups. But you know, like any other wild mother if there's yeah. anybody threatening their baby, they do not just let them get on with it. Yeah. Yeah, and just getting close is threatening to them. Exactly. You yeah, know, they so. don't know you, you know. Well, it's it happens here in our national parks, and Glenn, you've been to Canada where you've seen bears and, you know. Yeah. So here in our national parks, it's, it's the age of Instagram. People will try and go up to moose <laughs> and elk and take a photo with them, and next thing you know, they're getting charged, and those antlers are used for piercing and stabbing people. <laughs> so, and and I just look at it and go like, what, you know, hello. I mean, what? I mean, what would you like if animals just, you know, came into your house and started oh, yeah. staring at you? You know, it, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? I know. Planet, <laughs> it does. What planet are people on? You know, you know, as we know. Are, 
our tour, Glenn, our Love Your Parks tour, and, and you know, you assigned us to the English Connection story. So we're creating these interactive maps of everywhere we've been. And so one is the English Connection. And uh, we're gonna do an, interact, an interactive map of people being stupid with animals. <laughs> 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 So-and-so was speared here by a moose. This person yeah. tried to mess with an elephant seal. Well, and the elephant seals, they do look like walrus. Are they related, yes. Nancy, do you think? The walrus yeah the, as well yeah. they're all that kind of same species but they're different yeah. you know yeah they the are. walrus is like ancient to me they really remind yeah. me of those but you've got uh badgers glenn and badgers you don't want to mess with those either no, <laughs> so. no. A, a badger i i always used to sort of think badgers were quite cuddly but um, mainly mm. because you know you see badgers on on sort of like the wind in the willows and things like that but um Generally speaking, badgers are, are about the same size as a, as a Labrador, uh, the dog, with mm -hmm. very, very short, stubby legs. And they have got massive teeth. Yeah, they and do. They've got very, very strong jaws. You know, mm -hmm. so you do not want to be cornered by a badger. You know, it's not, it's not going to sting you or anything. It might, it might bite you. That's, that's the problem. You know, the, the thing there. The thing is with, um, you know, with English animals and well, British animals is that we haven't really got anything that's going to be very dangerous to you as long as you leave them alone, you know. Exactly. You know, exactly. The, the, one thing, the one thing about England is, you know, we don't, we don't have poisonous animals apart from the adder is the only snake that can give you a bite that can hurt you. Um, but, you know, animals can also hurt, you know, even if you... If you corner something as, as small as a as a rabbit, it can give you a nasty bite. Oh yes, it can, and it's got yeah. it's got those you back feet that will have, tear you. You, you know? just have to be careful, you know, and and respectful. That's what it's all about, respect. Yeah, I'm with you. It, it's yeah. it's really true. And badgers, you know, you don't have animals aren't dangerous like you say until you corner them or or you know sometimes step on them by accident. But yeah. badgers, when we were in Colorado, Glenn, there's this place. Florissant Fossil Beds National Monument. It's still, I can't, get, I can't shake this park. It is one of the most magical, crazy places that has meadows and trees and wildflowers and mountain views, all lush and beautiful. And then you go around the corner and it's kind of like this prairie land. And this is where all these ancient fossils are, like fossils of dragonflies, hydrangeas. They have petrified redwood trees, which, you know, what, what are they doing there? <laughs> but they yeah, were there that's two, funny. Three, three years ago. <laughs> So it's, it's a very interesting place, but we started walking around on this old homestead area and they have these giant thistles, but you know how thistle normally grows straight up, right? Yeah. This is like a big flat, it's open. It looks like a big pizza, you know? <laughs> but flowers on the center, like almost like an artichoke, but next to each one, they're like, they had signs everywhere, be careful of the badger holes and because badgers will come out, Giant badger holes were next to each one of these thistle almost, right. it looked like. Absolutely yeah, yeah. amazing, but we didn't get to see badger. Nancy's like, be aware, because if you mess with a badger, if you get in, you know, they'll bite. I've seen, they'll bite, for sure. I've seen um, in Yellowstone Park, or National Park, I saw a coyote chase a badger, and the badger went down his burrow, and a few seconds later, the badger came out of the burrow, and chase the coyote. Whoa. So, and that, I mean, a coyote is pretty big compared to the badger, but you know, the badger is like, oh, you came, you came to my house, watch this. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, you got to be. Oh, they're pretty. They're pretty vicious. They can be. But you've got hedgehogs, and hedgehogs remind me of Beatrice Potter. Yes. Hedgehogs and bunnies. They look cute. <laughs> hedgehogs are. Uh, they've just got something about them because they are. They're just so gorgeous. You know. Mm -hmm. The funniest thing about a hedgehog is, you know, you normally sort of see them just sitting still or rolled up in a ball or something. But when they when they run, it's, it's amazing to see. Basically, what they what they do is they sort of lift up. They lift their body up, and their little legs are about an inch and a half, two inches long, and they can run really fast. Because you don't you don't really think about a hedgehog running, but their 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 little legs are, are just so funny to watch when they when they actually do when they do actually move. Oh, but, um, they're they are so, so cute. So, cute and they go they in that little cute. ball they, they roll up in that little ball and yes. just it's so cute and then but you talk about hairs so uh, these are they're they're a bit bigger than regular bunny rabbits right a hair yeah a hair and a rabbit are different things a hair has got a much longer ear yeah. and it's also normally a lot longer and a lot thinner than a rabbit um it's sort of got bigger legs and also um a hair will what you normally see in March, what we call the Mad March Hare, is when they box. So they mm -hmm, stand yeah. on their hind legs and they box like a kangaroo, really. Yeah. Um, they, yeah. they stand on their hind legs and, and box. And a hare is, is really solid. Uh, the head of a hare is, is like concrete. Because um, <laughs> I remember, oh, this is donkey's years ago, when, when somebody had, had actually hit a hare on the road and it actually damaged the car because wow. the, their skull is really like concrete. So it is it's a really, really strong, strong little animal. But um, wonder, yeah, when you see I, hares in the middle of a field, they do look very much like a kangaroo without a tail. I wonder if a hare is the same thing as what we call a jackrabbit yeah, over here. I don't know. I was thinking hmm. that. I'm going to have to yeah. look that up. Yeah, we'll look it up. Yeah, yeah I think they might be. Because the they're bigger than our, like, our cottontail rabbits. They're, yes, they're, they're very, yeah. very long and thin. Yeah. That reminds me of Watership Down. Exactly. Rabbits. Yeah. <laughs> that, was a, that was a creepy book to read as a kid, Watership I Down. I never read it. I never no. read it. It was weird. <laughs> it, yeah, I'm gonna have to, I remember having the book that was all full color. And mm -hmm. yeah, The Wind in the Willows is far more fun. <laughs> oh, I love The Wind in the Willows. Yeah, you've got the to, wind, you've got yeah, to the, read them. This is the most important question, Glenn. Go on then. Did picking dandelions really make you wet the bed? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Oh my gosh. That's something that we were always told, so we never did it. So I'm never going to find out. <laughs> <laughs> you were told, don't pick the dandelions and wet your bed. I remember, dan oh, and there's dandelions out here where we are. And oh, right. there's a big movement for, you know, a lot of people have lawns out here. Yeah. And they put, they, they tear out the dandelions. And as though they're weeds, I know you say that, you know, it's considered weeds. But um, so they do all these pesticides and everything, yet these yeah, dandelions yeah. are really good for the soil, really good for bees and butterflies, our pollinators for our farms. And they're really good for us. Apparently, uh, dandelions, and this is what I was wondering about. Um, you talk about, okay, if you pick the dandelions, you wet your bed, but dandelions are used uh, to 
clean, you know, it's good for your bladder, your kidneys, and, yeah. and to clean your system out of whatever you need to clean it out of. Uh, but it's a really good health, it's a diuretic. So yes. yeah. um, maybe that's where that, that tail comes from. Well, who know? knows? I know, I know that now a lot of people do actually um, eat dandelion leaves. Yes, because, you know, in they, salads. They, yeah, mm -hmm. they're, very good, they're very good food. But like you say, they're diuretics. So it could well be. Where, mm. I mean, these old wives' tales aren't just done for fun. They must have some bearing. Mm -hmm. And that's probably where it comes from. Yeah. yeah. And nettles, nettles are also supposed to be diuretic and really good for you too. And then, but you said you used to, you know, drink the liquid from the flowers. Yes, of the, of the sweet nettles. The, oh. um, the sweet nettles had, uh, had little either white or yellow or um, purple flowers on them. And if you just pull the little petal off the flower, right at the bottom, there was a tiny little drop of a very very sweet nectar and as children we used to we used to drink it you know hmm. so it's, it's all these little things that you you do when you're a child that grows up in the country you know and you should keep doing it as as adults and pass it on to your children and grandchildren <laughs> to get them outside you know really that's spring is really one of those uh epic times of you know it says come on come play outside Bring yeah. your kids because I, you know, I remember having, you know, when I went to school in England and it was springtime and I remember the teacher, you know, going out, we used to have nature class outside. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, go figure. Well, I got into trouble because then I immediately started climbing trees with my friends and it was like, you're not supposed to do that because yes, you will fall out. And yes, I did. But, um, you know, we did a lot of that and, you know, you'd go under the trees and you'd learn about all the different plants. We made daisy chains. Did you do yeah. that? Like little necklaces and yeah, daisy chains. And it was like the most fun I had. And buttercups. I remember little buttercups mm -hmm. being out in yeah. the grass. And, and so I just, I wish class, I wonder if they've done studies about teaching outside instead of inside a building. I bet well, you it's better. Actually, actually in the, the school where Diane works, because you know that Diane works in a primary school as a, as a teaching assistant. Mm -hmm. And they actually have a, an outdoor classroom, which is nice. a willow, a willow um, circle. So it's, um, it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit like a laid hedge, only it's willow. Oh, and wow. and it's, 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 an, it's got benches in it and they go outside and they do classes. But nice. also what you can do in, in the countryside, which is what they also do a lot of and which is what I used to do quite a lot when I was a governor at the primary school is that we would go for a walk mm. into the village. We'd go to into the woodland and have a look at the woods and see what little things we could find out. And I remember one day that um, we, we always used to get slightly lost in the wood. So we, we, we had a game with the children where we tied little tiny pieces of wool on the trees so we knew yeah. the way back again. You know, little things like that are the things that children remember. And they're also things for them to learn about nature and to mm. see what is actually out there. Because so many children nowadays actually don't spend a lot of time outside. Mm -hmm. And it is so important for them to, to actually learn what nature is all about. And then, then they'll respect it. Exactly. Know? And it's about having an experience. You remember experiences. 
exactly. And it's so important. The more experiences a kid has, the more they're going to be dedicated and healthier. You need vitamin D. You need the sunshine. You need fresh air. We really need fresh air. There's also all those studies that say that children growing up with ADD and ADH is um, that comes from living in small apartments with just a little patio, fenced in patio to play in and not being able to really run or, you know, find different textures, look at different flowers and just in this little box like thing. And after a while, they just go a little like high strung and crazy. Yes. Well, funny enough. We were, we were talking about that um, over the last couple of days, Diane and I. Um, we never ever, when we were little, you know, at, at school, we never had any children with all these different things. Yeah. And, and it, there must be something mm-hmm. to do with how, how we live in that these days. Mm, yes. How many yep. kids actually walk to school anymore? You know, and I don't, is it safe? You know, that's a whole deal over here is like, is it safe for your kid to walk to school? And a lot of things are so, you know, stretched far away, you know, that I, I think it, I think it's really true about not getting outside that you don't have mm-hmm. that you start to go, you know, you're going to misbehave if you're, you know, all put in that little place like that and I know there are studies about getting them outside outdoors Mm -hmm. getting fresh air that's why I think it's so important that the more you know the population expands around the world the smaller places are getting which I'm kind of for because you know why should we eat up all the land you know we need to have Mm -hmm. those spaces and so it's important that every community has a park if they say here in the states there's I was talking to a park ranger friend and she said uh, there's an ideal thing that every community because you know we're a big driving community glenn you know in england very much a walking community uh which is healthier but in you know here they say that you need to have a park a public park that's in within 10 minutes from your house or wherever you're living your apartment your condo whatever it is because if it's close by you're going to use it and you're going to be healthier and now a lot of the uh, community developers are starting to realize that if you don't have the parks you're having a very mm-hmm. unhealthy community, an angry and stressed out community that's not functioning at the best they can. So that means the economy is going to go down. So they're to make a happier community because it's becoming important that you have happy communities. It does affect your economy. It does affect your health. It does yep. affect the fact that you're going to have to have the cops come around when there's you know domestic violence because it's an unhappy situation. You know, so happiness is is not you know, overrated. It's a very crucial thing. We deserve to be happy, but we need to create it. So a lot of the, in parks now, they're putting more benches because they understand the value of just sitting down and soaking up the view. They're putting more trails in, plants, flowers, hopefully more native plants because that helps the pollinators and it helps the wildlife when it's there and having water and, you know, those things. So it's, it's, it's crucial. I believe that every community has a park where, you know, I think it should be that you should be able to walk to it from your, your place. You yeah. Know? And also, also um, I think it's really important to have, have a lot of, of wild areas as well. Yes. Because, balance. You know, a, a park in, in England, a park is very often a very cultivated garden type park. And, and I think it's really important to have, really rough areas that are not cultivated that are just left to go left to go wild Mm -hmm. i mean edmund is really really lucky this my son edmund he's really lucky he lives in a in quite a big city called peterborough and 
just a, a few miles up the road from him, there's a fantastic area called Ferry Meadows. And, and it is, it's, it's exactly that. There is a lovely park building. So it's got a cafe and toilets and play areas for the children. But there's cycle routes, there is walkways, there, there's running tracks, there's a rowing lake, you know, there's Ooh. everything. So there's, there's also really, really wild areas, you know, so it, it's got everything, you know, it's got everything for the family. And the other, the other week we were there, um, it was a really cold day, but we went and we wrapped up because, you know, if you wrap up, you're fine. Mm-hmm. And the place was absolutely crowded. Mm. It was absolutely crowded. There was hardly any space in the car park. Oh, wow. this, was on, this was on a winter's afternoon. And it mm. was just so lovely to see so many families out there. I think that's important too, because right. why you have wilderness areas, our national park system, even our forest lands uh, here uh, have realized, and even our wildlife refuges do this, uh, some state parks some of the bigger areas, they've realized that you have to have that balance between people and wildlife. And yes, while we have our recreation areas, it's very healthy, um, that you have to have wilderness areas. So a lot of places like in uh, Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Park, where we're going to next, they have, oh, even here on Joshua Tree, there's areas that you cannot get to unless you have a permit as a backpacker, which means you're packing your stuff on your back and you're taking it Mm -hmm. back out with you, do not leave anything. And even that, and that's limited because you can't have, then you're going to have the same problem. So you can't take cars, you cannot take bicycles, you can't take anything but your two feet. Sometimes people are allowed to take uh, llamas or horses, you know, so there's guided (laughs) treks. Um, But that's how it is, because if you don't have the wilderness be the wilderness, we're affecting them again. And also bringing disease to the wildlife, we're also bringing you know, now some of our parks, before you get on a national park trail to go for a hike, you have to brush your shoes off because we're taking invasive species of plants into the park and that creates a whole other problem. So these wild areas are crucial. They're really crucial to our our health of of the planet as a whole. So, wow. Well, there it is. I think we've solved the planet's problems (laughs) all in one conversation. There we are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's not get started on all of them. We'll be here for hours. (laughs) 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 But I I will say this, it is a stressful world out there. People are angry. Don't watch too much TV. We have to keep our our wits about us and and awareness. Um, But it is important to get outside. It is important. It really is. And it is is actually recognized that going for a walk is one of the best things for depression. And, and as somebody who's, who's been there and done that and wore the t-shirt, I do know that on days when I don't feel too marvelous, if I go outside and just walk along and go and walk by a river or something, it immediately makes me feel better. Yeah. So yeah. going for a walk is one of the best things for depression, for whatever you want to call it, for feeling low, for feeling unhappy. So, you know, getting out in the countryside is one of the best things you can do. Well, speaking of that, Glenn, can I promote our new challenge to get people to walk? <laughs> okay, so we've got our one-hour walk, you got hashtag one-hour walk Facebook group, so you can join and everybody posts their photos from their walks. And we decided we have our own Big Blend social community now. 
So it's kind of like Facebook and Twitter. It's, it's very similar, but it's, it's all about positive interaction, uh, but not only read and sharing articles, but actually doing stuff. And so we decided because it's the year 2020, it's a year of balance. It's just a cool new decade. Let's do it positive. So we started a one hour walk challenge to see if in 20 months together, we can all walk 2020 hours, you know? So if you go to uh, nationalparktraveling.com, you'll see it right on our homepage. And we also have another one uh, can, to find your nature connection view, you know? So there's, uh, can we together do 2020 views in 20 months? And so far, so good. We've been, uh, you know, we've, we've gone global with it. We've got posts from everywhere. And if you can't take photos on the one hour walk thing, just say, hey, I did an hour around my neighborhood or whatever it is. It's really about doing something together in a positive light and that's healthy and good for us. So uh, you can go to just Google Big Blend Community and you'll find it all there. We've got all kinds of groups and uh, we're uh, doing new challenges every few weeks. Next one is public art and one is going to be gardens. So a lot of positive stuff there. So Glenn, we need, a, we need some uh, walking hours from you in England and nature yes. views. I'm just saying. Cool. That yes. would be awesome. Yes. Okay, miss. Okay. <laughs> so I say to the governor of the school. <laughs> so, yeah. So everyone, again, keep up with Glenn. It's norfolk-tours.co.uk. Uh, like I was saying earlier, that it, it, no matter, so long as it's healthy, right, Glenn? Whatever people want to do, you'll, you'll put it together for them. Absolutely anything, as long as that's legal and moral. There it well, is. there you go. <laughs> legal and moral. And you can have slow gin if you want to go. Uh, yep. Also, keep up with uh, visitbreckland.org.uk. Also talks about the region. And, uh, of course, his articles up on nationalparktraveling.com as our other articles about parks in England. And thank you all for joining us here. Thank you, Glenn. Uh, keep thank up you. with us at bigblendradio.com. Our shows air Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. And uh, except for holidays, because you should be out in a park at that point. And we always love to play music for you, our audience, and also for our guest. And today, Glenn, I thought of you. This is um, a song from Wally Lauder. He's based in Tucson. And it's off of his new album called Not Enough Time. And here's how he balances that out. A song is called Chair Beneath the Tree. And it's about sitting under a tree and just, you know, enjoying the view. Enjoying and it. And, and appreciating our surroundings of what your natural surroundings are and just taking that breather. So I think it ties very well into our conversation. So here it is, Chair Beneath the Tree. Thanks so much, Glenn. Bye. Thanks, Glenn. Bye. There's a chair beneath the tree. It's a place I like to be. At the closing of the day, I drift away I love the things I see From my chair beneath the tree Mountains I call mine in twilight time The riches of the world Don't mean a thing to me I gave them all away yesterday From my chair beneath the tree The world belongs to me I'm wealthy as can be Today 
chimes swaying free Prayer flags on the breeze There's a rabbit in the yard She's watching me The riches of the world Don't mean a thing to me I gave them all away yesterday From my chair beneath the tree It's a place I like to be 